This is Spoiler Country Presents, a commentary track. Where creators give you behind the scene information on the comics you love. Welcome back to Spotter Country. I'm Kenner and That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, it's part two of the commentary track for issue three of Dead End Kids with Frank Gogol. Yeah, and Casey Allen is one that sits on talk with them. I, I, again, I want to thank Casey for doing this for us. Um, but yeah, this is part two. You heard, you heard the first part of this earlier, either earlier today or tomorrow, yeah. depending on when these get edited out. I don't know; it's all on me. Doesn't matter. But, you heard part right. one. You're here for part two, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so this is this today. You're going to listen to the the last half of that interview conversation commentary track of issue three of Dead and Kids with Frank Gogol and our man on the street, Casey Allen. There you guys go. Now. You pulled out your issue three and you followed along on part one. You dog-eared that page that they ended at. <laughs> I was going to say that too. I was going to say because that's what you always do when you collect comics. You dog-ear right. your pages right. when you, you have don't to. have a bookmark. And <laughs> now you're going to pull out your issue three again. Let's go to that page and let's just kick off where we ended last time. So where were we? Yeah. So, um, yeah. In, in that weird way, Arnold is is extremely tragic. And even even if like we don't approve of what he's done, the, my hope is that people really understand why he did it. Even if he's like gone off the deep end. Like again, we talked about this in issue one and issue two. Like I really wanted to make sure that every character was complex and believable and, and, and sympathetic in their own way, no matter what they did, you know, whether it was Bulmer or Avery or Ben or Arnold or Murphy or whoever. Um, I wanted to make sure everybody in this cast mattered and, and wanted something and, and was tragic in their own way because that's what makes characters interesting. That's what keeps people coming back. Like you, you feel bad for them or you love them and you want to root for them and make sure that like they get through the thing. And now we're, we're almost towards the end of this thing. And I promise you not everyone gets through this. So, and that kind of leads us to, uh, to the next page. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is sort of, uh, a back and forth philosophical between Arnold Avery and, and Murphy who are essentially three iterations of, of the same character, right? We have Murphy as the precursor who could become Avery or who can become Arnold. We have Arnold who's completely succumb to his, his tragedy and has become twisted by it. And then we have Avery who is this sort of person who's, who's far down the path of, of, you know, the pain caused by his trauma and, and isn't so far out of redemption that it's not possible, but like it's, it's getting towards the rear view. And like, you know, this was sort of an interesting page to stage and, and, and write because it really is sort of a meeting of, of different philosophies, right? You know, Arnold is, is proud of what he's done. He, he thinks he's made the world better. Um, and then, you know, we, we know sort of, from putting it together, reading the other issues, that 
Bulmer's dad is the one that sold um, Avery's daughter the drugs that made her overdose. So Arnold killing Bulmer in issue two is sort of like kind of Arnold's calling card to, to bargain with Avery here. He's like, you know, an eye for an eye. You know, this this guy took away your daughter and I took away his son. Like, I evened you guys up. And, and then Avery... Yeah, sort of surprisingly, given like how his character has acted, but not unbelievably. So, you know, he's like, listen, you know, I, I didn't hate that guy. I didn't want him dead. I just wanted to be left alone with, you know, essentially with my pain. Right. Like, and then we get the, this sort of window into these two very different reactions to the same thing. They both lost somebody special to them and ended up in two very different places with two very different philosophies about how that's affected them. And this conversation is happening sort of with in a triangle with Murphy being like the third corner of the triangle. Well, all three of them have been like wounded and yeah. hurt, and they're they're dealing with their own grief. Um, well, and, and honestly, everyone in this book, like every single person, is is dealing with it. Whether it's it's Murphy's foster parents who are probably still to the to the present of the story grieving the fact that they couldn't have their own children and and grieving that the child that they chose to adopt didn't end up being like a walk in the park for them or or amanda's mom who's just not dealing well with with her husband leaving her like i mean like everyone and there's not a single person in this book who's had it easy and that was something that was really important to me when i was creating this character and it seems like outside of you know killing a child um either one of those characters could have at one point in their lives been in the other person's shoes well, yeah. uh, the mean, anger well, the the denial the um the acceptance where a- avery has accepted his his grief and his his loss of his daughter um so I would argue that he's almost at acceptance, but he 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 hasn't had that thing that pushes him over. I mean, essentially, Avery and Arnold are two future reflections of of the bad path that Murphy could take. Murphy could kill Arnold right now, and he could essentially become Arnold, or he could wallow in his grief and never let it go, and and let it define him and become Avery. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. It- it seems like Avery has a little bit more kindness than we would have um, expected of him. Yeah, in, well, in the know, past two uh, in the past two books. Well, I th- my hope was that like the series of scenes where we see Avery really establish that he he's he's grumpy, but it's because he's sad. Like I mean, the difference between Avery and Arnold here is that Avery is sad and Arnold is angry. Which are both sort of stages of the grieving process, and they both are sort of perpetually stuck in these. But Avery just wants to be alone, and Arnold wants revenge, and like that, those are sort of two of the future projections that Murphy has standing in front of him. Like, I mean, Ben's not coming back, and Arnold is, is the reason for that. And, and Murphy can can really he's got a choice right now, and and that's again tying back to sort of the thesis I wanted to get to do our childhood traumas, do the things that fuck us up as kids, define who we are. You know, does our trauma turn us into an angry person? Does it turn us into a sad person? And then do we have any say in, in what happens to us? Is there a choice? And, and, and 
my personal philosophy on this, which is sort of what I wanted the book to say, is that there is a choice, but you have to make it. And and there's a right and wrong choice, and then there are variations of the wrong choice, and there are variations of the right choice. But there is a certain amount of agency there. Like obviously, like if you're you're traumatized and you have PTSD, like it's it's a long road back, but and and you know for some people maybe there there is no road back but 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 for other people there is a way to to deal with grief and to deal with trauma and to hopefully lead a, a fulfilling life and and um, but at the end of the day you, you you have some say in that matter just because something bad happened doesn't mean you're totally fucked forever like moving forward like there there's unless you're dead or like severely like mentally wounded by by the thing you know you, you, you i hope you have a fighting chance you know what i mean yeah that that's it would it would be hard to imagine going through life believing that, that there wasn't because i mean what's the point if if bad shit happens to you and you just drown then you know well and you know what? That's honestly the the word "drown" was part of like the conception of this book. The reason it's set at a lake is because that sense of tragedy and like the like most people identify being overwhelmed with drowning. Like you're you're, you're being covered with stuff and you can't breathe and there's no space. And like that sort of anxiety metaphor for for dealing with things that are overwhelming is where the idea of a drowned kid came from. Honestly. That's awesome. So, uh, so at the end of this page, after we sort of get the philosophical takes and and we get a little bit of character development for for Avery, it, it essentially ends with with Murphy parroting what Avery, uh, what Arnold has said on this page, an eye for an eye. Um, now, Fulmer's dad sold Avery's kid drugs. She OD'd and died. So. Arnold killed Bulmer's kid, you know, Bulmer Jr., eye for an eye. And that's that's sort of what we see Murphy adopting. Um, he says an eye for an eye, and, and on the next page, this is probably my favorite page in, in the whole um, whole series. It's, it's a two-panel page. We see Murphy about to shoot Arnold, and he says he was my best friend. And then we've just got this, this unmoved, unfazed image of a close-up of, of Arnold saying she was mine. And I think in that moment, in these two panels, like you, like all the pieces finally fall into place. You understand like this, this is like the precipice of, of Murphy choosing, right? They, him and Arnold are essentially the same person. They've been robbed of their best friend and they both wanted revenge. And, and Murphy is one finger pull away from like completing his evolution into Arnold. And then Arnold says, she was mine. And on the next page, we see Murphy, Murphy having this epiphany. He, he, he realizes in that moment exactly what's happening and that he is, he is becoming the person he hates right now in this moment. That, that first panel is expressed so well there. Uh, it looks like it almost takes the breath out of him because he's realizing that the whole he's about to go down 
It's, 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 I mean, for me, what I wanted to express here was it's okay. Like I have no problem with people hating people for a good reason. Um, like Murphy is one again, finger pull away from being a hypocrite, essentially. Like yeah. the whole eye for an eye thing really is, you know, it's the epitome of hypocrisy. Like, okay, you did this. So it's okay for me to do it, even though what you did was wrong. Um, and I think this panel is probably the most important panel in the whole book. Like, I mean, it's it's what the book hinges on, right? Like, everything was leading to this that that last page, and and now we see Murphy's reaction. And like, and I think that that little white puff of breath right there is is exactly what you just said. It's it's Murphy having like the air sucked out of him with this realization. Um, and then as we move on the page, you know, Arnold says, "Now you get it." Now you understand my psychology. Now you know why I did what I did, and we're not so different. There was a version of the second panel where the dialogue essentially literally read, you know, we're the same. And that's a very cliche, and it's very on the nose. So I revised it a bunch, but that's, that's essentially what I was trying to sell here. Murphy has chosen not to let his trauma turn him into an Avery or, or into an Arnold. Um but in true Murphy fashion, he says, fuck you, Arnold, because <laughs> Murphy's a 90s teenager and he swears. Um, but it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of dramatized fuck you. He says, you know, fuck you, Arnold. And then we get another beat of him you know, relaxing his arm, lowering the gun and just saying more quietly, fuck you. Um, um, but, you know, in true fashion of the book, the last panel you know, sort of drives the plot forward and we see Arnold maneuver to take the gun away from Murphy and the tables have turned. Now, on the next page, Arnold's got the gun held on Murphy and we know that Arnold is a cold-blooded killer. He killed his own son, so, you know, the stakes are feeling a little high all of a sudden. Um, and then we get a little more of a... Arnold's kind of philosophical diatribe, and he says something to the effect of, you know, you say you cared about my son, but if you really loved him, you'd have taken the shot. Because um, that's that's sort of Arnold's mentality. He equates revenge as the ultimate act of, of showing love to the people who have, who, who've been lost. Um, so this is just Arnold playing, you know, the part that we know him to play. Yeah, he's a bastard. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I wanted him to be sympathetic, but I also want him to be a complete cocksucker. Yeah. Like, I think that, I, I feel like those are the best villains. Like, you know, uh, Stephen King is sort of the master of this. All of his, his villains, sort of, they're very charismatic and they're very charming. And and then like you see them like do their thing, and then on the next page, like you see them kick a dog to death. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and, and yeah, that it's like the perfect sell of who these people are i think i think that example is from the stand i think it's the, the man in black does that in the stand or one of the other books flag, was in. it flag his last name i forget yeah, uh, randall flag yeah I, yeah I was he was, was just it, a motherfucker rick flag from the the original version of the suicide squad <laughs> um, but yeah so i mean you know we're at the climax things had to get exciting but i wanted to keep in character um and so Murphy or uh, Arnold's caught. So the only way he's getting out of this is if he gets rid of all the witnesses, right? And he's going to start with Murphy because Murphy's right there. Um, and we've got so the panel, uh, the second panel on the page is him 
say hi to Ben for me. Like, I felt like he needed to have this like real cocksucker comment before he shot Murphy. And like that just seemed like the right one. And he's got this smirk on his face. It's, it's a pretty good panel, if, if I do say so myself. Um, but then on the next page, Tank, Tank tackles him. Tank, in spite of his, his, his heart problem and his handicap, t- takes this big chance overexerting himself, and he, he tackles Arnold out of the way and stops him from shooting Murphy. Um, but then we've got the really great sequence of three panels on a tier where Tank's tackling him in the middle. Pa- I mean, it's essentially one image broken th- into three. Um, in the second panel, we have the gun going off, and in the third panel, we have it hitting the ice as Murphy dives out of the way. Um, and then the panel on that page, or the last two panels on the page are the, the ice cracking and uh, Arnold and Tank going into the ice. And I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I would have I was reading it, I was like, his heart. Yeah. No. And I, I don't want to get I mean, too far ahead, but yeah, I, I have feelings. These are these are those those little things that sort of build as you go, um, and so yeah, they go through the ice, and then we've got a panel of Murphy screaming no, like you would see in almost any movie where something awful is happening in real time, and then we cut to black, and and this this black page. So every issue has a black page. Um, it's sort of a thematic thing. Like in the first issue, um, when the kids find out that. Ben has died, even though they don't know what it is. They find out something's up at the end of the road and the, the ambulances are there. We cut to black and then the next page is the funeral. Um, God, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible person because I can't remember what the black page in the second issue is. Um, I think it's a pause between the title page and, and, and Murphy's flashback. Um, but essentially it was something that we established throughout the book as sort of part of the storytelling. And here... I mean, like the, the craziest thing in the book has just happened. Like Tank just went into the, the frigid ice. Um, a gun has been fired and like we don't know what's happening. And then we cut the black. And then the next page doesn't give you an immediate answer, which for me, like it did a few things. For one thing, it, it was kind of like the curveball the first page threw you after the cliffhanger of the second issue. Like it sort of sidelines the story and and does this other thing for a second that that sort of slows the narrative back down um the next page is a direct callback to the first page of the book it's it's literally the same sequence but you know it's a spring we get we start on the dead end sign we're moving down i just want to point out that after uh you know one very very well liked character gets submerged in ice after the second dialogue on or excuse me this the second you know bit of writing on uh on the uh page other than epilogue is what happened next um you fucking that's a little tease (laughs) it's a little like meta on the nose comment right um, but it's it's also the sequence of the narration, right? The narration on the whole page reads very well done. But it didn't make me not it didn't make me like you anymore. <laughs> it's like well, yeah, yeah. What happened, asshole? I want to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- 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 this is one of the more layered pages in the book, honestly. Like, Taking I mean, it's you a to task, man. 
it's it's a visual callback to the first page of the series, right? Um, it, the, the narration reads, "What happened next? Things change. They always do." And and there's literal physical seasonal change happening on this page. Like you, anyone who's experienced any kind of winter and spring will recognize this as winter ending. Like the snow is melting away, and the green is starting to show, and things are changing, and they're moving forward like they always do. It's very well done, and and the the nature. Cinematic. Yes. I feel like the word I wanted to use when I was writing it. Um, so then on the next page, we, we see how things have changed or they haven't changed, and, and we catch up with all the characters. Um, you know, we get a, a shot of Avery walking up to his house, and it says, you know, some of us weren't ready for the change. On the second panel, we see a flashback to that night where Tank went in the ice, and it says others were, and we see Tank's parents sort of with him in the ambulance, you know, concerned for him, which is sort of a new experience. Um, you know, they, they're sort of detached and, and, and disillusioned and, and this whole experience has maybe brought them closer together, which is kind of hopeful in its own weird way. Um, I audibly the, breathed a sigh of relief when I saw him living in the panel <laughs> because I, I was, you seriously had me worried that he would not, um, make listen, it past the, I was, the lake. I wasn't, wasn't going to take Ben or, uh away from anybody um but in the third panel we we get some visual information we see amanda bringing stuff up from the 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 basement slash bunker and we see her mom pulling down the first month off of the year of 2000 on the calendar yeah obviously she's survived y2k and 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 you know they're they're, the healing is starting is what i wanted to sort of convey visually and people were starting to get better even though it takes time um, and then in the last panel of that page, we see Murphy sitting down to have that, that breakfast that he wouldn't have at the beginning of the story with his foster parents. And, you know, and it, it, it's a start. Uh, like there, no, no one in this story got off easy. Some people got off as worse as they were. Some people ended up a little bit better for some people taking time, but it's, it's all a start and, and people are heading down on the right path. So on the next page, we okay. flash to 2019 and we see adult murphy 20 years later standing at that grave um and i'm going to read the uh the narration here because i feel like it really it brings it all home um and it says so this is the part of the story where i'm supposed to tell you that about how we all eventually grew up and grew apart but that's not this story and that really plays into that thing I was talking about the first two times we talked about this book. It's it's that anti-coming-of-age story. They don't grow up and grow apart. They Best friends means best friends forever. And here we see adult Murray. It's revealed that he's standing at Ben's grave. And you see this sort of beautiful and haunting image of this, this three headstones in one family grave for his mother his father and for Ben. Um, and, and the thing that probably took me the longest to write out of this whole series were the, the epitaphs for each of the graves, um, for Ben's mother, it simply says she, she loved, you know, because that's, that's what she did. She loved her husband. She loved her son. Um, for Arnold, it said, may he know peace. Cause he was obviously not a person who, you know, 
new peace and, and felt contentment in his life. And, and, and for Ben and this, when I, when I wrote, I think I, I choked myself up a little bit. Ben's epigraph says it's what he did calling back to the other thing that the kids say to one another. It's what we do. And it just, you know, he was a good friend. Um, and that, you know, it, it's got me a little fucked up right now, <laughs> uh, but it, it's very well composed and you, you get it. When you read it, you get it. Yeah, that one that one took a few passes. Um, fun story about this. Uh, right up until the 11th hour, the uh, little image of Ben on the headstone was actually an image of Tank. <laughs> Nana oh, just, no. Nana just kind of shit the bed on that one, and no one caught it for a while. But, I mean, we did we did catch it. Um, but yeah, I just again this this is this is sort of like. <laughs> The, this is the true climax of the story. This is what the story is about. I'm just going to read the, the the captions one more time. And it says, So this is the part of the story where I'm supposed to tell you about how we all eventually grew up and grew apart. But that's not the story. And then on this page, we see Murphy standing at Ben's Ben's grave. And you know he's, he's, he's having a quiet moment to himself. And then an adult Amanda walks up and says, It's time. And they sort of walk off into the distance. And then on the last page of the book, we find out that we're at Tank's funeral. And it reads, here we all are in one place together. The end. Um, and, and the sort of suggestion here is, yes, Tank survived. And he lived for a significant number of years past when he was expected to live to. Which, for me, added sort of to the tragedy. Yeah. He 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 probably shouldn't have made it out of his teens, and he well into his thirties, and that's sort of, you know, I don't know. It's just it's something. It fucked it fuck, it fuck me up when I wrote it. Yeah, yeah, and it's having a friend that is ill and knowing that they're, they, their dates numbered. Oh man, it's uh it. From personal experience, I, I had a friend in high school that, that passed at 19. And um, even now, like something will happen and I'm like, God damn, I wish he was around to see this. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% know how you feel. Um, and that's, that's sort of the kind of stuff that I channeled into this scene. Yeah, it's um, just not fair. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's very easy for me to imagine that this moment here, this this last page, is maybe the first time in in many years that the four of them, you know, in in physical body and spirit or whatever you have, you are literally in the same place together. Um, and and I just I don't know, like that's just it felt like the natural and right ending for for reasons I I can't really articulate. Um, and and you know, it's it's bittersweet. It's like, and more bitter, honestly. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely sort of hard to, to know that Tank survived and that he beat the odds and then, you know, that he had to die anyway. And that, yeah, his death is the thing that sort of brings the four friends together one more time. Yeah, yeah. It, But knowing that there was kind of a reprieve for him. At the end, because you knew he he didn't have that much time to begin with. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that he made it past past the ice, he made it past the fight, and 
uh, hopefully lived on to have a, a happy uh, rest of his life. Yeah, there was um, there was a, a a little sort of minor subplot in the first draft of the script that I didn't feel like was working and I couldn't get right. But there was a tank had sort of like a passing comment in in the first issue about wanting to grow up to be a firefighter, um, and that you know the, the sort of reader was supposed to put two and two together and realize that that would never be the case because of his heart condition. Um, and then in this last scene on the second to last panel, when you sort of see the ornamental wreath and and his image, there would have sort of been some firefighter iconography. So you sort of put two and two together to realize, you know. In spite of his handicap, he went on to do good things and to help people. And it was this very sweet thing that I just, I, I regret that I couldn't work for the story. But it, it, it all comes together. It, it yeah. looks, it's very well done last page and it ties, ties everything up in a nice bow. Yeah. And, and you know what, like structurally speaking, it made sense to me, like just from a practical point of view, like that we opened the book with sort of not a bait and switch, like for lack of a better word, a bait and switch, like you think of maybe, you know, Amanda is the grave that, that adult Murphy again in 2019. And then you find out two pages later that she's alive. Um, and then you have this sense of ease. Um, and then when we flash forward again, you find out is at at, at Ben's grave, and but you think that maybe it's tanks for a hot second because the last time the tank he was falling through ice, um, and then you sort of are at ease again. Okay, it's it's Ben's grave, not tanks. But then you know, two or three panels later, you find out you're at Tank's funeral, um, and I just felt like it kept the story surprising and emotional, and and like I mean. Like I said, it, it choked me up when I wrote these last couple pages. And I mean, that's that's sort of my mark for knowing that I have written a story that I'm happy with and proud of. And that is kind of story I would want to read. Some of the stuff in Grief did the same stuff to me when I was writing it. And that's sort of my marker. I had the same sort of moment when I was writing um, the book that is being drawn for next year. And like, that's, that's for me, that is a sign I am, I'm done or I'm near done. Um, and cause those are the kinds of stories I want to tell. They're not going to be for everyone. They're not necessarily for dudes who, who don't know how to deal with emotions. Um, and, but they're the kind of stories that move me. And part of the, the growth in, in these characters is them actually learning how to, to deal with emotions yeah, just hundred <laughs> percent, and 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 so it's a small detail, and this is completely unrelated. Um, but a very careful reader will see that adult Amanda wears the same blue lipstick that she wore as a teenager, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only super clear in the first panel she shows up in as an adult. But you know what? Oh yeah. I, I think that it's a nice little touch, and it, I, I think it might be a little bit hard to tell who she is right away, and I think that's a nice little visual cue, because, um, you know, she doesn't have blue hair anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. Can't keep the blue hair, but uh, I, I know how to, I mean, my wife's a, uh, uh, a kindergarten teacher, and when she became a teacher, she had to take about 30 piercings out of her body, so, whew. yeah, you can't keep... Not not that many for real, but yeah, yeah, there was a lot of metal on the table before That's her uh, first day of teaching. 
So <laughs> this this is sort of a, 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 a non sequitur aside, but this is the second funeral scene Nanette has drawn for me. The first one was for one of the shorts in grief. It was called Gravity. It was about a son who didn't want to take over the family business, and the family business happened to be like essentially being a Superman-esque hero. Um, and then you know, the father dies and the son feels sort of compelled or torn between taking over the family business and whatnot. But there's a funeral scene in that story. Um, and Nanad, without telling me and without me realizing it for a couple of years, drew me into the funeral scene. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, right now as we're talking about this, I'm sort of scanning the crowd to make sure I'm not there. Well, so it looks like um... – Either the the Nazi from um, guy in the uh, baller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either him or the the bad guy in Toontown in Roger Rabbit. I can't tell who I think it looks like. Yeah. Either yeah, way, that know, face is melting off. I think he's wearing glasses. He just looks ridiculous. Th- though a couple on the last panel, a few to the right of Toontown. Almost looks like he's wearing a backwards hat. I wonder if that is like if Bulmer did survive. Bulmer's, yeah. If I didn't know. And then if you look to the the right of the wreath, even I think Harry Potter is there. Oh, dude! Yeah. <laughs> I Listen, love it. It's, it's, a, it's a good little shared verse, but uh, yeah. But that's that's our story. I mean, you flip through, and we got a couple ads. One of them's for grief. It says available now, but the book is sold out. So that a lie um and then you got the back cover which like the other back cover sort of follows the template and draws on the the background and you know just get that final sense of a package feel um but that's that's the story and and you know uh i don't know i'm super proud of it i i really love it like you know i if i could go back and do it over again i probably wouldn't change a lot i may i might not change anything and and like i was saying earlier you can't really please everybody with every story but what i do hope is that the story was was at the very least surprising in in the way it was told and like you know people didn't you know know beats before they happened and 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 you know weren't bored while they were reading and and my other hope was that you know it it moved something inside of them like i mean like i'm not looking for people to be bawling their eyes out but like if if you felt something like that's that's a win because i can't tell you the number of things that i read and they I just, when I get to the end of them, I don't really feel a whole lot. And like the reason personally why I read is to, to, to learn and to, to be moved and, and to sort of be a, a better or different person by the end of the experience. And those are the types of stories I strive to tell. And I hope that, you know, like, like with grief, that dead end kids really has that effect on people. Well, and you, you feel a gravity and a, a sense of peril reading this which uh it, it's rare that i get that in a comic and that it's just n- superman's always gonna be fine batman will always make it to the end of the day unless i don't know like tom king's writing him and does something crazy um fucking there there's so many things that that are tropes that happen, and that's fine, but you, you know there's a predictable outcome. And with this, that, that simply wasn't the case. I'm glad to hear it. So, uh, you, you took us on a journey, Frank. 
to the end of the road and back <laughs> and then to the end of the road again. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, man, thank you for, for taking time out of your day to, to, to talk to us about this. And, um, so you're, you're gonna, you're still on the con circuit. You're, you're throwing this thing out there. If it does anything like the, the first two volumes of, of that book, um, or the first two issues, I'm guessing it's going to get another printing. Um, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Cause I- there are still people every day hitting me up for copies of number one, number two. So are you just, just just ease my soul. (laughs) Are you going to have to make uh, new printings of, of issue one? Well, actually um, we're, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, September 12th. Uh, The second printing of number one came out yesterday on the 11th. So nice. um, Anyone who's hearing this, uh, probably about a week after that um you know rush to your comic shop now if you missed the first one there might be copies left um the the reorders or the the orders on the second printing were like astronomically close to what the original initial orders number one were so it's that's, I mean, that's great it, 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 yeah it's 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 rare that a book goes to second print and that you know usually it does a fraction this I think uh, initial orders on the first issue were like twenty five hundred. This these were like twenty twenty two fifty three hundred, um, which which is a not insignificant match. Um, so the the second print one was another three thousand issues, and if I'm not mistaken, that that is all but sold out as well. So between two printings and like retailer exclusive and comic exclusives, we've moved about seven thousand issues in number one, which is oh that's amazing. My, yeah, it's it's yeah that's not, great. That is something I still I'm still working on processing, honestly. And do the, the format of the story just you know a quick one and done has aided in helping people get on board with this because it's after the initial cost of you know the the three issuing is such a it is such a good investment of your time and you you're not having to go and pick up 30 issues to figure out what the hell's going on so i'll i'll say this my that was my hope and my plan to keep it short and affordable for my, both myself but also the reader and for retailers you know nobody knew who the fuck i was until 2 months ago um so i was sort of preparing to make this the, the easiest possible solution um, but based on the feedback I've been getting, I don't know that most people realize it's ending with number three. Like one of the reviews I got uh, for number two said that, you know, they, they could easily see this running for 12 issues. <laughs> um, and the people who I've told that it's ending with issue three have been very surprised. So, you know, just I mean, I don't have an incredible sample size here, but the people I have talked to didn't realize it was ending with number three, which I think, I mean, you know, May, not a lot of series are three issues, so maybe that will add to the surprise. Like, sort of, you know, it, it could to some people feel rushed, but to other people it could feel unexpected because you're not used to something being told in this space. You're used to four and five and six issue miniseries. And, you know, um, so we'll, we'll see in two weeks when the issue comes out. It's, it's a bit like what, getting really into a British sitcom and. <laughs> not realizing that oh they do things differently there there are six episodes to this season and holy shit this is episode six like 
they they just take this away from me. I like this. So yeah. well, yeah. listen, everyone, go out and buy and read and love number three. And like I said at the the beginning of this, bringing this full circle, we are we're actively talking myself and SourcePoint Press and 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 Nate Ad and Sean what a third one might look, or sorry, a second one might look like. And, oh. and not even you know even before that you have other stuff coming down the pipeline and so yeah you guys keep you know keep uh frank gogol's name on your on your brain because yeah so (laughs) yeah go out buy frank gogol's stuff and um tell your friends about it all of my grief by dead end kids by the next book. If I start like some kind of window business, please, please patronize that as well. Um, just give me all of your money. The sex dolphin book we talked about. And uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I got to start writing sex dolphin. <laughs> man. I, I've already put in some, uh, some, some words for you at, at, at different publishers about this yeah. book. Like, man, Frank well, is going to, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like if we did it right, we could, we could land the Fantagraphics. So <laughs> I'm going to start writing. But Sex Dolphin, it's coming 2021. Mark yeah. counts. Yeah. I mean, he's faster than lightning. The slight flipper. All right. So, uh, <laughs> you guys, with that, uh, Frank, you have anything else to say? Uh, I, I could probably talk about this for another week. Um, but um, if I if I could have like a, a final note, I would say just uh, that I, you know I I hope that people have enjoyed the book and you know I appreciate them like coming along for the ride. Um, if this is the kind of storytelling you're into, that's it's hopefully it's landing the way I intended to, and I've, I've, I'm planning to do a whole bunch more of it. So yeah, come back for the next one if this one. Awesome, yeah, and and shit, dude, I'm I'm there. So. Uh... You guys, Frank gets married next Saturday. If you see him out, buy him some Tupperware or something. <laughs> so, you know, midway through this this interview, <laughs> my fiance walked in and I had to tell her to shut the fuck up because she's being loud. Um, but but I think she can hear us, so yeah. I'm I'm going to eat those words in a minute. But I think I can hear her <laughs> grinning in the other room at the end of the wedding. So maybe I'll survive long enough to get married. Dude, yeah. Uh, uh- I hope I hope she's nice to you once this is done. And congratulations on the book and the upcoming wedding. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what else you come out with. And um, again, everybody, go out and buy Dead End Kids uh, one through three because it is a ride. Boom. Done. Yeah. Part three. Issue three finished. Issue three. Part two in the bag. Did in kids come to an end here. Frank Gogol, you're awesome. Casey, you're awesome. Everybody listening, you're also awesome for joining us on this journey of hearing the behind the scenes of Dead End Kids. Do we have more coming out in this series with Frank Gogol? Are we doing issue four? You know, I heard issue three is the last issue. Oh. So well, there you go. If it is, you have the whole thing here. If I am wrong, which I often am, then we'll have we'll have issue four because Frank says he's going to do more with us. I know that. Awesome. So, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And our next episode of Commentary Track will be with Kevin Joseph of Tart. 
oh, nice. That's a wonderful series. Fun read. It is. You know, different. And I, and I don't mean different in saying it as like, I don't know anything nice to say, so I say different. No, different comic book than you generally read because the story is unique. The art is fantastic. And I, you know, it's one of those books, like when I get the newest issue, I can't put it down. Right. It just makes you want to read more. It's, it's such a, yeah. I can't wait to talk to him. I told him to figure out what issue he wants to do, whether he wants to do number one or number seven or whatever, and figure out which one he wants to do. And we're going to jump in and we're going to do one of those with him. And I got to, it, it's hard to schedule right now because he's on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. Yeah. So the one timing, thing but- with Kevin Joseph that I always laugh about is that <laughs> we had him on for Tart and we talked to, I think issues one and two are out or maybe, uh, maybe up, one, up- two and three, but his next issue was coming out and he wasn't giving us any thing. And I said, you, I gave I told him the story about the New Jersey manhunter or yep. man killer, which was the influence for jaws. And I said, you should have something with sharks. And he didn't say anything. And the next <laughs> issue had sharks in it, which he had already written. It was already right. drawn. So it wasn't like, a, you know, <laughs> so funny though. So funny. <laughs> so look forward to that. I think you're going to be doing that commentary track with him, right? I am. Yep. I am. Yep. There you guys go. And if you want to go back and read some or listen to some other ones, we did a great one with Stefan Frank for oh, so good. And it was, was a so really good. good was was a, a great commentary track. You learned you had some great insights of of how he came up with things and what he was thinking, just like you got just got done listening to the Frank Gogol. This is this is gold, guys. This is real gold. This is twenty four karat twenty four karat man. He's twenty eight. <laughs> this shit is bending like crazy. I got my teeth marks all over it because it's real. Stop eating the gold, man. <laughs> there you guys go. We hope you honestly. I hope you really enjoyed that. We are spoiler country. We're heard everywhere. Podcasts are heard. We have on a lot of social media out there. We have this whole thing with voicemail that you can leave us stories, and we have a whole thing for our voicemail with the month of October. Not just our voicemail with our website, with our YouTube, with all the different stuff. And I'm going to let Johnny actually expound on that. Sounds good, man. So what we're doing is we are collecting your stories, your favorites, your whatever's you want to insert there about Halloween, about horror movies and horror stories, about scary stories that have happened to you, whether it's your favorite book, your favorite movie, your favorite comic, or a story of something that happened to you in real life, or you want to tell a story, you want to send a video or an audio clip. We're doing all this. We're collecting them. We're putting them together into something really cool, really awesome. So you can call our voicemail at 707-656-2080 and leave a message there telling us about any things I just mentioned there. Um, again, 707-656-2080. Or you can also email it to us at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Again, spoilercountry at gmail.com. And if whatever you're trying to send us ends up being too big, like if you do end up shooting a video of you talking about it and you want to send it to us and it won't go through email, just email us. Let me know. I will send you a Dropbox link so you can, a Dropbox link so you can upload it. And then same thing with stories, whatever else. We love, we want this. We want to hear from you. We want to make something awesome out of this for you guys at the end of the month for Halloween. There you guys go. We hope you enjoy what you heard. Don't forget to open the mind and read more. See ya. How's it going, man? Not bad. I'll be honest. I almost forgot. <laughs> it's, it's all good, man. I'm yeah, sure yeah. You, you got a I can't, ton of shit. Uh, 
I was I was playing a board game with myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the house to myself for like the first time in a long time, so I grabbed uh, some beer at the corner store and then like played this board game for the last hour. Nice. What what game are you playing? Uh, the Power Rangers board game that came out a couple months ago. Okay. Um, okay. Sort of like a minifigure resources management kind of game. It, it's fun. So it's it's hard. I've I've never played a game like my wife and I just recently bought. Um, oh crap, Catan. Oh yeah, yeah. And love it. Is is really fun, but like that's as as deep as we've delved into board games. So, yeah, I'm I'm not like board game crazy either. If there's like a a game that looks kind of interesting to me, I'll give it a shot. Um, these games are sort of like somewhere between an RPG <clears throat> and like a video game in that like there's some manual labor, but it's not like total imagination like there's a board and like there's figures and like you know there's action cards and it's you know um i don't know i just like games that can kind of go on autopilot and i can just sort of play for a little bit and yeah chill and be a little strategic like i like games that make me stay sharp cool cool yeah um but yeah so i almost forgot (laughs) (laughs) that's all good man yeah I, i just put the kids down um they were uh they were being wily. They got their second wind in. So <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> you said uh, a second ago. You said I just got some time to myself, and I was like, "Yeah, wait till I have kids, man." Dude, I, if, I that, if that's in the cards, then yeah, it's yeah. it's certainly on the table. <laughs> it's not anytime soon. I have a dog, and that is more than enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Take take your time, enjoy it, and you know get get all the fun you you can out of being married yeah well i I gotta get to next saturday first so yeah yeah oh man that's close dude i know this holy crap this this whole year has sort of been like a funnel like the further down we go like the more stuff is happening so we're in the process of moving into our new house i have a convention this weekend and the wedding next weekend and i'm just absolutely kicking myself in the nuts over here every at every turn (laughs) <laughs> what what convention are you going to? Uh, Rose City up in Portland. Oh shit! Um, John's gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen. So, uh, last time I was <clears throat> up in Portland, uh, me and John and his girlfriend got beers. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. the the Spoiler Country guys should be up there. They um they got uh like press passes and stuff, oh, nice. so they'll be up there and um. So if you, if you run into them, uh, say howdy. Yeah, we'll do. I'm sure they'll. We're on the the main aisle for a change, sort of like where they position Dark Horse every year. So like we'll have fairly good exposure. Um, so hopefully they'll see us and just swing over. Cool. Yeah. Let let me know if you know what like booth it is. Let me it's, know, uh, and I'll have them to uh, seven twenty three. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. type that to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's under N3 Entertainment, though. Um, so we have three companies under one umbrella company for SourcePoint. It's called Oxide Media. So it's got N3 Entertainment, um, Deep Water Games, and SourcePoint Press. Um, depending on which convention, it, you know, it depends on who gets the table and whatnot. Um, so it's just it'll I'll have my banners up and there'll I'm sure there'll be SourcePoint Press banners up. But um, if they look at the program guide, it'll be under N3. 
Okay, cool, cool. N as in uh, Nancy. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a uh, guy who runs the company's name is Nolan something Nasser, three N, so N3. Uh, Very clever. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull this comic up. Okay. So and uh, so, so I can kind of follow along with you. Um, it. So yeah, yeah. When I when I first read it, I you, you threw me. Um, in, in a good way, not in like uh, I couldn't I couldn't look at it the same after it. No, it like you. I was not expecting uh, the uh, the twist. Um, the, like the the flash forward. No, or, no, the the dad? the dad, yeah, yeah. So, but I'll, I'll shut up so we can. Like, <sighs> well, we can we can talk about it a little bit. Um, so I, I was a little worried about how that would land because you know the people are so used to the structure of like mystery stories. You now you have to introduce the killer like early on and yeah, you know, sort of lead the people to understand why he did it before they know he did it. Um, and then everybody else is a red herring. And I just I gave. Two, two one-page scenes to really set this up, and they're not even, like, that um, damning, honestly, on their own until you get his explanation. And, like, I, honestly, I'm not sure how this is going to land with some people. Like, it's going to be, like, a love it or hate it kind of thing, but it's the story I wanted to tell, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I dig it. it. It was it was great. So let me go ahead and, and do a formal introduction. Okay, let's do it. John's gonna chop this thing up, and uh, and put 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 the pieces where where they go, um, yep. and uh, so <clears throat> cheese and crackers. All right, how hot is it where you're at? Oh, dude, it's like not. It it was, I think the it was like ninety eight today. Jesus like Christ. it got up to ninety eight. Was... Are you close to the Gulf or are you like inland? Oh no no we're inland. Uh, Birmingham is like oh okay the central part of the state. We're about four hours away from the Gulf. Okay yeah I drove through Birmingham on my way up from Louisiana to Tennessee. Oh, okay yeah yeah so I think we I think was it was it or maybe it was one of the other major cities. We stopped for lunch. It wasn't like a like a super big city. It was like kind of sleepy compared to most cities. Yeah, yeah. We we're, we're we're a tiny little city, but I mean, we have our we have a few big buildings and and stuff like that, but uh, we I had uh, uh you know, it, it was it was Mobile. It was oh, Mobile. Mobile. Oh yeah, yeah. Mobile is Mobile's an interesting city. That's more western, right? No, no. That that is in the Gulf. Okay, so yeah. You, so then we yeah, brought, you you came did up that right after Louisiana, because we even dipped into Mississippi for a hot second, like just because the highway curved across state lines. Like it was a weird trip. Oh, yeah, up. yeah. If you if you were coming from Louisiana, you probably I guess you took what the ten something that goes direct. Yeah, north. It cuts over, goes across to Mobile, and you probably hit sixty five on the way up to get to Tennessee. That sounds about right. We were heading up to uh, Nashville, so like more yeah. part of the state. Yeah, so Nashville is is like right right off sixty five, pretty much. So. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it's um, and you would have passed through Birmingham, but I mean it's you know not too big, and if if you didn't have anything to do in Birmingham, I mean you would have easily gone through it without even really noticing. 
But, uh, okay. <clears throat> Let's do this thing. Let's just keep this rolling, and we'll just go right into part two. Okay. Will that work for you? Or do yeah, you, fine. Would you prefer no, to fine. have a, a second no, file? It's fine. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. Okay. Are you sure? I'm, whatever's easiest for you. Just do your fucking intro. Okay. Jeez, man. Get violent about it. Ah. <laughs>